All right, hey, take your, uh, take your Bibles, uh, turn in the book of Matthew, that's in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we call them the good news, it's the first book of the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the scripture on the screen, and, uh, but we encourage you to bring your Bible. Speaking of which, um, on the information table, there are two things that are on there now, uh, if you haven't picked these up, it would probably be good for you to do so. We do have Bibles on the table. The print is a little small, for, forgive me, when we ordered those, the print just was a little smaller than I expected, and that's why, you know, sometimes we wear these things, right? But there's a Bible on there, if you don't have one, just go by and take one, you don't have to ask anybody, you don't have to get permission or anything, just, just take one. If you know somebody who needs one, take two, and take them one. Uh, there's also on there something called Find It Here, and it's a little thin book, and it's got, it's, it's basically like a... Uh, like a topical Bible of certain things when you're feeling this way or when you're sad or when you need help thinking about this or when things are going good. It gives you some scripture references to look at. And it would probably be a, a pretty neat little tool uh, to have just uh, so you can do some quick reference to some things. So please uh, take one of those. And again, maybe you work with somebody or you know somebody who'd like to have one of those. Grab two and take it and, and give it to them. And just, just uh, that's our, our gift to you and then can be your gift to them. So I hope you'll take advantage of that and with those resources. Um, let, me, uh, let, me do, let me do this before we get started. I thought of something here a while back and I never have actually done it when, particularly uh, before I preach. But I had some things in my mind one day. I was, I was taking a walk and I had some ideas about how, you know, it's a constant thing that we say in our culture. We all say it and no matter what. It's the different stages. But we all talk about how busy we are. I'm just so busy. I'm, I'm I'm running here and there. I'm taking my kids to a thousand things. I've got so much going on. I don't ever feel like I have time to, to rest. I'm just always busy. That, we, we say that all the time, and I think we say that mainly because it's true. <laughs> you know, we're just, we've always got something going on. Mom, my mom called me uh, early this morning. She said, hey, uh, you want to come over and maybe and eat some, some lunch after church? And I said, well, Mom, I would love to because who doesn't want to, you know, sit around Mom's table and eat some of her stuff? And uh, I said, but well, i got something going on in the afternoon this time, and I'm just not going to be able to do it. And she said, well, maybe I'll catch you another day. I said, well, I'm not busy all day, so, you know, call me back, we'll, do, we'll make it up. But we're busy, aren't we? We're just kind of busy people, and even that carries over to when we come, when we come here to gather. And, uh, you know, you, even right now, you may have a thousand things going on in your mind. So here's a couple things that, that I thought of just as we prepare to listen and to participate in what's going on this morning. If you would, just close your eyes for just a second. I'm not going to do anything that's going to embarrass you or anything. But uh, there, there's th- three, three things that come to mind when I was taking a walk that day. One of them was tune out. Just take a minute right now. And just, kind of, just kind of tune out from the distractions. Just kind of take a chance to kind of clear your mind. Cliff mentioned just a while ago, just take a, take a deep breath and just, just let it out and relax. So tune out. And then the, the other thing is, is tune up. That you might just, uh, just focus on God. Just, just right now, just maybe a, a short little prayer of God. What is it that, that you want me to hear today? Help me to receive what, what you want me to receive. To be able to know what you want me to know. And to do what you want me to do. And then the last one is now to tune back in. Just to tune in uh, from the distractions and focus. This is, this is where you are. This is where God has you this morning. So, so tune in. Pay attention. Listen. Be alert. Look for ways that God's trying to speak to you this morning. Just, so tune out, tune up, and then we tune in. 
God, help us to do those things this morning and help us to hear what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you've got your Bibles, Matthew, we're continuing uh, in the book of Matthew, and I'm in chapter 5 this morning, and we're going to be looking at verses uh, 21 through 26. So Matthew 5, 21 through 26, if you'll follow along. This is Jesus continuing to speak, and he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But... I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, which is, uh, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, I want us to look at some things here that Jesus uh, is, is talking about and just maybe try to tie them in with some things that we've already uh, seen in this uh, Sermon on the Mount. But one of the things that happens here in, in verse uh, uh, 21 and 22 is Jesus, uh, and he does this a lot as he's teaching and talking with people, but he'll say something and, and then he clarifies a, a little more of what he was talking about. A lot of times it happens in the, in the form of when, with his disciples and he would teach something and then he'd pull those disciples over to the side and he would kind of say, hey, now this is what I meant. All right, this, this is what I meant by that. So Jesus does that basically in verse 21 and 22. And he says, you have heard it. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So basically he just, okay, you know this, you know the law. You can go back up and look at the verses that Cliff just preached on last week and, talk, and, and go back and listen to that message where he's talking about how, uh, how important the law was and Jesus came to fulfill the law. And these people were tuned into that. They understood what that meant. They knew, they knew the laws. They knew the commandments. They knew that kind of thing. So Jesus was kind of tying into them. And he says, you, you heard this was said. And, and basically, hey, all of you know this. You know that it says, don't murder. And then he takes it another step farther. And he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But any, uh, anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So Jesus kind of clarifies a little bit. All right, this is what I know you know. Don't murder. You, you all know that's wrong. But listen, for those of you who like to take the law literally, let me, let me just expand it a little bit for you and help you understand what this means, all right? Not only is it bad to murder, Jesus says, but let me tell you this. Don't be mean to your brother. Don't treat them with content. And also, don't judge them spiritually. That's kind of what those things mean. So he kind of breaks it down because the, uh, I think they did probably, and we do as well, is that we have a tendency to take things literally. So Jesus kind of makes it very simple, and he tells them basically this. Don't be mean, hateful, or spiritually judgmental. 
uh, the, the word used there for fool. That's what basically that is. Now, we sometimes use that language kind of flippantly. Uh, uh, it's never, I don't, uh, well, I can think of people. I think Flip Wilson used to use that a lot a long time ago for those of you who remember him. But um, we kind of throw that out. But what Jesus was saying, this, this wasn't just that the word that we think of as fool. To say that to someone in the context that Jesus was mentioning and the word that's used basically is that we, you're making a spiritual judgment on someone. Basically, you're, you're putting yourself in the place of God. And you're making a spiritual judgment. So it's about the way that people are treated. So he says basically, yeah, murdering's not good, and you know that. But guess what? If you're angry, or if you treat your brother with contempt, you know, you're mean and hateful to them, or if you pretend to be the judge for them and treat them that way, that's even worse. So he's trying to, to grab everybody and pull them into the same concept so they can understand what's going on. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to be literal with things. Any of you that way? You know, you just say what it is, and it's black and white, and that's the way it is. Now, I know uh, kids are, have a tendency to be that way as well, right? So this is what I think of when Jesus is talking to these people, and I feel like he's really trying to help them get beyond just looking at the one do not murder. He's trying to expand that. And it's basically like this. How many of you have kids? All right. How many, how many in your, as your kids at any time in their life, you don't have to tell which one or whatever, but have you ever had this conversation with your child? Hey, why don't you go brush your teeth? Okay, they go brush their teeth and you come back and you say, did you brush your teeth? And they say, yeah. And you say, let me smell your breath. And you say, you didn't brush your teeth. Yes, I did. You didn't say you toothpaste. <laughs> right? That, you know, you told me to brush my teeth, but, but I'm taking that literal. You didn't say I had to use toothpaste. How about, you need to go in there and take a shower. Come out. Did you take a shower? Yep. Did you use soap? No, you didn't say I had to use soap. That ever happened? And so, right? Go back, use soap. You didn't say I had to wash my hair. <laughs> you know? Or you get in and you say, take a shower, make sure and wash your body. And they come back out. And their hair hadn't been washed because we didn't specify all the details of what needed to happen. That happens, right? This is kind of, I think, what Jesus was doing. They were so tuned in to the law. And all of them knew the commandment, do not murder. But here's the thing I think that would happen. Probably, let's say if Jesus was speaking to an audience of this size, the chances that anybody within that congregation, in that people he was talking to, the chances that any of them would have actually committed murder uh, wasn't that big of a deal, right? So it was like, yeah, I know that's a commandment, and I know that's a law, but that doesn't apply to me. So I don't have to worry about it. So Jesus says, it's not the idea that just, like, murder's the only thing. Here's the thing, it's about how you're treating people. And so if you're angry with someone, it's the same thing. If you're Treating them with content, it's the same thing. If you're going to be, um, put yourself in the place of God and be spiritually judgmental with them, well, that's just as bad. They're all kind of in the same category, basically. So he's just trying to help them to do that. Now, explain that to say this. This is not uh, the message that Jesus has given his people. It's not about committing murder and, and specific acts. Jesus is trying to get across the point of there is a way that we should treat people. And there are things that hinder that. So we, we move on uh, to verse 23 where he continues and he says, Therefore, now, you probably have heard this. Maybe I said this to you. 
But when you're reading Scripture, anytime you see the word therefore, you need to look back and see what it's there for. Right? <laughs> therefore refers to something that just happened previously and it's being tied together. So based on what's just been said, therefore, this is what you need to know as well. And Jesus says, therefore... If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. All right? So because of what I've just said, Jesus is saying, now there's this thing of when you come and you're going to worship or you're going to make sacrifices or you're going to do, do things in, for me, God's saying, or in my name, what I want you to know is there's something very important. If there's a problem going on, that is the priority. Giving a sacrifice to me is not as important as making sure that things are right with me. Doing good works is not as important as making sure that I've got a good relationship with my brothers and my sisters in Christ especially, right? So it's the idea of now that, now that you know what I said about how you're treating people, this applies to your life as you live out. There are things that, that are priority. There are things that are important uh, for us to do. So here is, here's kind of the concept that I think, and it applies uh, to, to all of us, is that uh, you take the initiative when someone has a problem with you. Now, that, now I don't know if, if you heard that when I read it or if you saw that when I read it, but verse 13 says, um, 23 says, if you're at the altar, altar and you're going to uh, offer a sacrifice, and you remember that you have a problem with somebody, Jesus doesn't say that. He said, and you remember that your brother has something against you. That's opposite, isn't it, of the, of the way that we deal with things? It's like, you know, if they got a problem with me, that's their problem. I ain't worried about that. You know, I don't have a problem with them. They can just, they'll just be on their way to do whatever they want to. Jesus says, if you are at the altar and going to make a sacrifice, and you remember that somebody has something against you. He says, you take the initiative, and you go, and you try and make things right. And the word that you, that's used there is reconcile. And I'll t talk to you a little bit more about that in just a minute. Uh, but look over, uh, you can flip over a few books in your Bible to the, to the book of Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Romans chapter 12. Verses 17 and 18. And the scripture says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now that is an awesome scripture, and it, it, it ties in here to what Jesus is saying, is that, there, are, there may be people, you may think of people right now, maybe by reading that, somebody has come to mind and you say, you know, I really don't have a problem with them. It's just I, they're angry with me and I don't know why. They're mad at me and I can't figure it out. I don't know why they won't look at me when I walk into church. I don't know why that they seem like they go the other way. I don't think I've ever done anything wrong to them. It, it's that kind of thing. Or maybe, maybe you kind of do know the situation and you think it's been resolved, but they still have a problem with you, but you've not really done anything with it. Jesus says, when you know that someone has a problem with you, you take the initiative to do something about it. Now, here's probably what you're thinking. Well, I can't make decisions for other people. 
I can't make them like me again. If they're mad at me, I'm not going to change their mind. I, what am, who am I, a magician or a wizard? Am I supposed to do something to make them change the way they feel about me? That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you take the initiative. And as the scripture said in Romans, as, as best as you can, as far as it depends on you, that you live at peace with everyone. So here's this idea that he mentions about reconciling. The idea of making things right. It, and it's this. We cannot make decisions for other people. If you are mad at me for something, I cannot change that within you. That has to be done through you and with the help of God to be able to change your attitude about me. But I do have the responsibility to come to you and try and remove any obstacles that I may have put in the way to keep you from doing that. That is my responsibility. As far as it depends on me, I have done everything that I think I could possibly do that would give you the option to feel differently about me. And then the ball's in your court and you have to make a decision on that. Now, that's reality. And some of you have probably been there. You've probably dealt with people who... You've tried and you tried and you tried and you say they just won't forgive me. They're still mad at me. If you've tried, if you've done what you know God wants you to do, if you've tried to remove those obstacles and you've done all you can do to make things right so that they can feel differently about you, then that's all you can do and they have to make that decision. So that's kind of what Jesus is saying. It's this idea of treating people and how we treat people. And then he says it's not so much about... If, if you know that you're angry with, with somebody, which that also applies, but he turns it and says, if you remember somebody's angry with you, then you take the initiative and you do that. Okay, so, <laughs> easy said, right? <laughs> but you don't know. You don't know the people I deal with. You don't know my family members. You don't know, <laughs> you don't know how that works. Sometimes it's easier said than done. How in the world can we do something like that? You know, how to... How do we do that? Our feelings get in the way. Or our own attitudes get in the way. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's just not as easy as saying, oh, I'm just going to go to someone and make it possible for them to forgive me. And if they don't, then, you know, that's, that's okay, but I've done what I want to do. And it's easy to say, you know, how in the world can we do it? Well, obviously, here's the thing that we have to know. It's not possible to do it apart from Jesus. It's not possible to have that kind of attitude apart from knowing, knowing God and letting Him work through us. You go back and look at all the things that we've talked about. With the things about um, what Cliff talked about last week, you just got to turn it over. You got to let, let it go. You got to let God have control of that. Let Jesus be a part of that. Give that to the, Him and let Him work that out through you. And the things that we uh, looked at before about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world and all those things. And I mentioned, I think, when we had our Lord's Supper, those things are not even possible apart from Christ. It's not like that somehow within us we have the ability to muster up whatever it takes to be those things. It's not there within ourselves. It has to come through the power of God that works in us. So, obviously, the answer then is how do we do it? Well, we do it through Christ. But I want you to look at a scripture in Second um, Corinthians. So if you're in uh, Romans, just go over a couple more books and uh, look in the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And though God were making his as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that is that whole concept of reconciliation. And he mentions that in Matthew where he says, if you know that your brother has something against you, go to him and you be reconciled to that person. So, so listen, listen to this, and you may know this, but just, just tune in. God has modeled this for us. It's not something he's asking us to do that he doesn't know about. God has modeled reconciliation for us. And this is the way that he did it. He did it through his son, Jesus Christ. And what has happened in the scripture that we just read there basically says this. God has reconciled all things to himself. And that includes people. God has done what is necessary to make it possible then for us to be reconciled to Him. See, God made it possible to be reconciled through Jesus. Jesus paid the penalty of our sin. He, uh, when, you, when you come and we talk about the, Jesus dying on the cross and being buried and being raised to life, God knew that the only way that sin could be taken care of once and for all was through Jesus Christ. And so he modeled reconciliation that we were apart from God before that with sin. When Jesus came, God made it possible then for us to be reconciled to him. So in a sense, now don't hear me wrong, but in, here's, here's basically the way I look at that. See, because of what God has done, he no longer has a problem with us. Because he's made it possible for us to be right with him. But that doesn't make everybody automatically a Christian. Well, if God's reconciled all things, does that mean just everybody automatically is a believer? No. God made it possible for us to be able to have that relationship. So there's still a responsibility on my part to accept what He has done and believe in Him. Does that make sense? Now, that is very similar to what He's talking about in the Scripture. If you remember that your brother has a problem against you, you go to them... And be reconciled. Basically it's this. You do everything possible to give them an opportunity to get right with you. Because you don't have a problem with them. You say, I don't know why they have a problem with me. I don't, I'm not mad at them. I'm not angry at them. But they are angry with me. So you do what you can do to make it possible for them to be reconciled back to you to make things right. And that's their choice, isn't it? God has done what is possible uh, needs to be done to make it possible for us to believe in Jesus and to be reconciled back to Him. That's still our choice. So here's the good news this morning. If you're not a believer, and uh, what I want you to know is God's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. You know, He's not looking to zap you every time you turn around. God loves you. When Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for sin, you were included on that. He, he, he made it possible for all of us to be reconciled. And he loves you just as much as us, and he wants you to turn to him. But the ball's in your court. 
He's not going to force you to do that, just like you can't force me to like you if I've got a problem against you. God's not going to force you to believe in Him. He's not going to turn us all into robots where He pushes a button and everybody does what, God, what He wants us to do. That is a choice, and He gives us through human free will, we call that. Uh, and it's an awesome thing to know that He's not some disconnected God that just zaps everybody and makes everybody do the same thing. He allows us to make that choice, and He wants us to come to Him. In the same way that if you care about somebody who's mad at you, you want them to be reconciled with you. You don't enjoy going around with them having a problem with you all the time. So it's the idea of reconciliation, and God modeled that for us. Now, here's another example. It's, it's not a perfect example because anytime we use human examples, we're starting off behind the eight ball because we're using humans, right? So there's a possibility for it to be flawed. But here's something we probably all understand. I think I've shared this in the past with you before, and I'm sure every one of you remember it, right? <laughs> Me and Cliff joke about sometimes we forget what we preached on Monday <laughs> after Sunday, so we're sure, we're sure certain that you don't remember it all. Um, but anybody have a bank account? Yeah, most people do nowadays. Some of you may have gone to put it in a jar and hiding it under a tree somewhere now. But uh, if you have a bank account, we get a, a statement at the end of the month. And, and uh, whether you do it through Quicken or QuickBooks or you're still doing it on paper or whatever, you take that statement and we call, what do we do with our checking account? We, we reconcile it, right? All right, so I take what the bank says that I have and I reconcile that to what I say that I have. Now, again, the bank's not perfect, and we're humans, so there's the, this example has plenty of room for error, but just stay with the concept, right? Assuming that usually the bank is right. What happens is the bank has all the information that, that we have given them and stuff we purchased and all that, and they put that down for us, and basically the bank is saying to us, we have done everything that we can do to show you that, that what we have is accurate. Now, we're giving that to you to give you a chance to agree with that. So you take that statement and you go down through and you check things off and hopefully, you know, you'll get to the point to where you'll say, yeah, uh, I've got what they've got, my statement reconciles, and you put it away, right? Sometimes there's a little problem and you have to do things. But that is the concept of reconciliation. They have done all they can do to present to you an accurate picture of what you have, and then it's our responsibility to take what we have and compare it to that and agree with that. God has done that with us through Jesus. He has shown us through Jesus the only way sin can be forgiven is through Him and it gives us an accurate picture that without Jesus we are lost. And so we are reconciled to God by agreeing with Him that He is who we say we are and that we can be who He says we can be. And that makes things right with Him. Does that make sense? Okay. So that idea of rec reconciliation is huge. Because it's, it's modeled uh, from God from very early, early on in the whole concept of salvation. But then Jesus, uh, he takes that concept and he, he turns it back on us and how we deal with each other. And basically Jesus is saying this, listen, this is so important. This idea of being reconciled to your brother is so important uh, that it, 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 it trumps making a sacrifice. You know, we're always talking about, you know, Christians, especially believers, you know, we're going to make a sacrifice, we're going to get an offering, we're going to do good works for him, we're going to serve, and all those things are, are important. But, but Jesus is saying basically this, listen, if, if there's a problem 
with the relationship with the brother, you might just leave your sacrifice there. That, that's not that important. The important thing is to be reconciled and make sure that relationships are right. So God wants us to be reconciled to him, and he wants us to be reconciled to each other or to our brothers, as Jesus mentions it in there. So there, there are more important things than good works. There are more important things than coming to church. There are more important things than serving somewhere. And all those things are good. But there are more important things. And Jesus is saying that basically if you're coming to participate in those things, but yet you still have a problem with your brother, the best thing to do is leave that alone. That, that is, that, he says, first go and be reconciled. That, you know, priority. We like to prioritize things, right? So first go and be reconciled. So l- let me say this to you. This morning, uh, maybe you don't believe you're not a believer. You're just kind of checking things out and trying to learn about God. And, and that is great. And we're glad you're here. And this is the place that you need to be to do that. And we're, we try to help you with that every time we preach. And we want to help you more if you want to have conversations afterwards. So, so it's awesome that you're here. But here's what I know happens a lot of times. People who don't believe in God, sometimes they think that they, you know, they've got to get their life together. Well, you don't know what I do. I do all this and this and this, and I'm just going to try to get my life together, and then I'm gonna, I can get right with God. You know, if you were here last week and heard uh, Hoss give a testimony about how he tried to do things on his own and it just doesn't work, and uh, is that on the, I didn't listen to the podcast. Is that on the podcast? You need to go back. If you weren't here last week to hear the sermon and testimony that Hoss gave, you need to go back and listen to that. And I told him one of my most very favorite lines that he said last week was, he decided that he was just tired of doing everything on his own, trying to do right, and he told God. Now, he told God. That's the funny part. He told God, God, you're on your own. I'm just not going to help you anymore. <laughs> I don't know if those were the exact words, but that was real close, and I thought that was awesome. But, but what I want you to know if you're not a believer is, don't look around and see people who are believers and somehow think that, you've got to dress a certain way or you've got to be involved or you've got to quit doing all these things, that's getting the cart before the horse. First, you need to be reconciled to God. So Leave all those other things that you're thinking that would be considered works. Leave all those other things behind. Those are not as important as you first being reconciled to God. Then God can help you take care of those things. And that is the, that is the priority of the way it is. So if you've been burdened thinking, there's no way in the world I can ever do this. I can't quit doing this. And you just don't know the kind of life I live. And I, and I still want to do those things. And I, there's no way I can do that. If, if that's what you think, guess what? You are right on the money because there is no way you could ever do that. And you won't ever do it. You'll, you'll spend all of your life trying to get your life straightened up and you'll leave the most important thing out, which is God. So I say, God knows where you are. It's time for you to be reconciled to Him. He's not angry with you. He loves you. He wants you to come to Him. And He's made it possible for you to do that. And all that you need to do, the Bible tells us, is just to ask Him to forgive you and to believe in Jesus and just say, hey, I'm giving my life to you and you just need to help me and here we go. Right? So it's an awesome thing for you to be able to hear this this morning because maybe you thought differently but I hope that that will help at least change your mind and let you know some things that maybe you could do uh, to be involved with first priorities of getting things right and being reconciled to God
Okay, so here's... Um, let me, let me finish with this. We'd like to try to give you something to do. So if you're not a believer, there's you something to do. <laughs> if you need help with that or want to talk more about that, we'd love to talk to you more about that. Uh, then for those who are believers, uh, as Cliff said, maybe, maybe uh, there's something that you need to hear this morning. Maybe you've heard that already. I don't know where any of you are, but, uh, you know, I know how human relationships are and the chances that, that you have problems with other people are great, <laughs> Right? Anytime that I have anybody other than me in the room, there is a possibility of conflict. And sometimes even when it's just me, there's conflict. I'm amazed at how much I can disagree with myself, <laughs> right? So, okay, so we're humans, and that's kind of the way that that works. But, but here's what I want you to think about. Uh, is thinking about this idea of reconciliation. Don't be focusing on the sacrifice. Don't be f- focusing on what you have to do. Focus on what Jesus says is there something that you know that someone has against you and you need to take the initiative and go to them to do whatever is possible as far as it depends on you to make it possible for them to be reconciled back to you? Because it's not good for them to feel that way about you. For them to harbor bad feelings or whatever that is, that is bad for them. So you are doing them a favor. You are giving them the opportunity to make things right between you and them. And I don't know who it is. It may be a family member, it may be a friend, it may be a co-worker. Who knows what it is? It may, in your mind, it may be very, 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 very serious and there's no way that you think you could ever do that. It can be done. But it's not going to be done in your own strength. So I just want to challenge you uh, this morning. Is there someone with what Jesus said, you, you know... There's someone who has a problem with you. Now, we can get into that you've got a problem with somebody else. That's a whole other sermon, right? Let's just take it one, one step at a time, right? But is there someone that you would think, you know what? This person is still mad at me. They still won't forgive me. They're still angry. And maybe you've never talked to them. Maybe you have talked to them. And if you have done that, feel good this morning that you've done what God has asked you to do and the ball's still in their court. It doesn't mean turn them off or whatever, but, but no that you're on the right track. So just thank God that he's helped you get on the right track. But maybe there's somebody that you need to do that with this morning. So what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to ask you, if you close your eyes, I'm just going to have a prayer with us. And um, I, I want you just to take a moment again to kind of tune out. Maybe other distractions have crept in even as, as you've been here. Just kind of tune those out. Just tune up, up to God, just... Okay, God, I've, I've tried to listen. I've tried to be attentive to what, what you want. Is there someone that comes to mind that I need to do this with, that I need to practice this with? And again, just, just tune in to what he wants and, and ask for strength and help to do it. Even, as, again, if you're not a believer, just, just, just a prayer to... To even say, you know, I don't even believe in you yet, God, but I, I'm, I want to and I, I need help with that. God, thank you uh, for reconciliation. Thank you that it's not just a term or a concept that you've just thrown in the Bible, but it's something that you have modeled to us. We know how that is. Those of us who believe in you can have an understanding of how important it is to be reconciled to you. 
And so I pray that you help us to know that, but you also help us to realize, as the Scripture told us, that, that now you've passed that ministry of reconciliation onto us. And that entails not only us telling other people about you, but it entails what Jesus was talking about, of giving people opportunities to be reconciled with us so that their lives can be right and so that they don't have any regrets or anything holding them back. And we can have that ministry of reconciliation as we help them to be able to do that. So I pray that you help us to know what to do. And as always, you give us the strength to be able to do it. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.